0: Can you, can you verify this for me? I mean, some people
1: that don't understand. I mean, what is soul? Allora, adesso te lo dico io. Cos'è soul? Non importa come lo fai. Più alto possibile, meglio è. Pensavi dico saperlo tutto. Nel suono giù nell'Atlantico su questo pianeta canta se vuoi non ti sbaglierai
2: accendi questa bomba l'onda del lo posto dove troverai questo pianeta. I
1: Hello and welcome to Playtapes 115 with your host, yes Dr. Groove is back and we'll be doing the news and as usual I don't want to preempt it but you know we're all back working from home if we can, doing the right thing and I'm walking out with two masks on my face all the time and today it was cold, it was almost like for heat, for heat reasons and I went up and got another vaccination, so now I've got the flu, I've got like, needles in my arm all the time, and I'm still petrified about catching it. Anyway, well, petrified maybe is too strong a word. I'm expecting that everybody's got it these days, so I'm expecting it'll come from me. Uh Anyway, uh it's cold out there today, isn't it? It's just... We're definitely, there's no denying that we're in the winter now. The winter, this is the winter. Um, And do you feel discontented? Uh, I'm not particularly happy, but uh, music is one of the good things. And we'll get news from Andrew later and find out where exactly we are on the journey, the great COVID 19 journey in 2021 as we go on into 2022. Uh, Let's start with. Something from Chick Corea, who uh, is a pianist who worked with Miles, uh, amongst others. Uh, And actually, I saw a documentary where he was working with, he did a Mozart concerto for music, piano concerto for two, uh, himself, and uh, I'm going to forget the other guy's name there, haven't I? Keith Jarrett. Yeah, there you go. Um, Anyway, yes, let's start with this. It's uh, children's song number one and see where we go from here Uh, Welcome to Plague Tapes 115
3: Side when I feel comes to me about you and I know that you feel the same when you hear my my song for you like one song to another my love is designed uniquely for you Each word you hear is from my heart, and that's why you feel this the way you do. I need you. To fold like an artist to subject I hold A creation derived from you You're welcome day thank you
2: I'm
4: mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Indeed, that was the conclusion of an hour of s- some music there, right there. And we finished it off with Mogwai. And that was Sinewave. Then we had Bjorn Torsk. We had LCY with Sh- <coughs> Shonks with Canton. We went into a bit of dubstep after the Bill Wells trio. Then we had Sufjan Stevens. We had Clark with QEase Lee with we had floating points too from floating points so we started off slow we had a little bit of soul from the subject and we started with chick korea jazz so it was right across the spectrum as always and i didn't feel like there was much to add Uh, i was just putting away some laundry at the same time uh, multitasking Making the most of my time. That's a uh, hundred and fifteen. Pretty much done. Um, I'm gonna leave you with a an uncompromising track from Ben Frost called Nolan. And uh, make of this what you will. And then we'll do news later. And that'll be show one one five. Plague tapes one one five. Still going strong, just like Corona. Uh yeah, listen, stay safe, everyone, and uh, keep up the spirit, say, eh? and, you know, do what you do, what you need to do to get yourself through, and then you can support others. That's the way to do it. Uh, okay, so Ben, take it away with Nolan.
5: are so impossible to find, then maybe we should change the system itself.
1: and welcome to the news section of plague tapes 115 and it's been recorded around well no not around on the date of the 24th of November 2021 and i am joined as always by Andrew who knows who knows what's going on and uh, i'm here to ask the questions in fact Andrew you now have a do you have a specific there's some reference to you on Twitter like there's an Andrew Flood position it's like narrative you, narrative, narrative. narrative. The and word? the narrative is is that you care too much about public health
0: probably I don't and know and you're really.
1: prepared to crash the economy
0: I, I woke up to a notification with that in a, uh, the other morning and so yeah, Andrew somebody Flood had narrative. Done, done that isn't it Drake the meme you know the one kind of looking in horror and then well, well, anyway, anyway. I don't know
1: I don't know any of these memes like sure yes. I barely I'm not even on Instagram I know nothing Yep. Um and, and that's dial up found. Yeah, my position my position of ignorance is I I feel like I play some part in the Andrew Flood narrative. <laughs> um yeah. Anyway, uh so yeah, like I, somebody told me there's like what is our case loads these days? 6500 or something a day? Uh no, no, what kind of um
0: <laughs> it it so one of the one of the things to say is it's actually pretty chaotic. It's jumping around a lot because oh,
1: because I, we're having difficulty uh, measuring things.
0: Yeah, well the testing system is capacity, I would say that also means the lab system is at capacity and the reporting system is at capacity. So it's it's got to jump between two three thousand two hundred and five thousand nine hundred and fifty ish. Um uh between those points. But if you look at the swabs we've had about fourteen days. Actually, today's, I was hoping to get today's before the show started, but uh, I think we've had 13 days where the swabs have been 4,300, 4,400, pretty much every single day. day We can be pretty
1: sure that day 14 will probably be somewhere, something similar. Who knows? It's unlikely to go down.
0: And positivity, strangely enough, has also been fairly constant, a little bit of movement between 14% and 16%. Um, So the concern is that what that actually means is that or what, or what catching each time is is 14% of test capacity. And that doesn't actually tell us how many cases there are out there. Um, so the for, for the last week, I've been kind of paying more attention to the number in hospital with COVID yeah. because that's a kind of more definite number. Um, and that is kind of actually somewhat optimistic over the last two to three days in that it increased to a peak up around 680, I think. And now it's fallen back to about six hundred and eight. But the um, the interesting, well, the the kind of somewhat hopeful stat is the if if you do a, a running average of how many people go to hospital every seven days, which is typically let uh, me pull up it, it's typically up around six hundred. We're so definitely sure about five fifteen yesterday, for instance. Right? When you say
1: like we're kind of sure, like surely we're sure about hospital.
0: Plans. Um, so, yeah, we're sure about how many people are in, co- are in hospital and have COVID, right? Right. Um, however, there's also a capacity issue with the hospitals in that last night there was only 137 beds available, right? Out of, I think it's, there's about 1,100 acute hospital beds. So that's about 1%, right? So with that crisis, it would be easy enough to imagine that They may have tightened up admissions for COVID slightly. So they might be slightly more inclined to go, you're sick, but you're not so sick. We need to put you in hospital. You can go home. Uh, Or they might be more inclined to go, oh, we think you're well enough to leave now. We don't need to wait until tomorrow because they need those beds. So you can't really be sure that, say, 600 hospital cases now are the same as 600 hospital cases two months ago. Uh, that there would also be some, I suspect. Okay. Uh, issue issue around that.
1: So sorry, you you just give me the the eleven hundred. There's eleven hundred beds basically for acute. I
0: I think it's about eleven hundred.
1: And there was a hundred and thirty what? Hundred and thirty-seven yesterday. Yesterday. Evening. Okay. So
0: there's a load of like there were about seven hospitals had no beds, and quite a few had like you know two. <laughs> right. Um, and of course, so and and that's even more true of ICU, which I think is hundred and thirty-two today. Um, and we I mean, give sort of people remember that in the January wave that hit 220-230 But it's different now because then we had a lockdown uh, So as I've said before, you know, you don't have heard yeah. t- as many road traffic accidents thing But it, they also shut down most of the healthcare with they try to keep things running at the moment uh, Which is kind of remarkable. Uh, so it means that ICU availability is very low indeed. So again, you can't really know if an increase in uh, the fact that ICU doesn't increase by much is because there's not a demand for that or because that demand does exist. But those people simply can't get into ICU and have been treated outside of it with high flow oxygen or whatever, you know. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, th- th- it's, it's the so problem it just, when you've lots and lots of cases yeah. is that all the, all the meaning of all the stats become less certain. I think of the three, the hospital one is probably the closest to actually telling us what's going on. Um, So I mean what that does suggest is that we might well have hit a Not necessarily a case plateau certainly a a very significant slowing down in the rate of growth of cases Um, And because the other things that are happening at the same time is there's the booster program is happening So that's less so that should mean fewer elderly people getting infected and they get sent to hospital a much higher percentage than anybody else Um, and also there's a weird counterintuitive effect where We're kind of at the point where immunity against infection is waning off for most of the younger population. Um, So they're getting infected. However, we know that immunity against hospitalisation lasts much longer than against infection. Right. So you therefore have this counterintuitive thing where the actual percentage of cases getting hospitalised drops because of that. Uh, because you're getting more cases, but similar protection against hospitalisation. I can see you looking puzzled, so you'll you'll have to take my word for that one. Uh, and then the other thing is the percentage of cases in young children has gone up. Yeah. Uh, the percentage of cases in over six sixty fives to eighty fives have gone down. Right now, that last one, I think, is probably them being more careful uh, and not going out. And again, the other one's most likely to go to hospital. So in other words, you've got all these different things that are going on. You've got testing at capacity, hospitals at capacity, ICU at capacity. That makes all those numbers on uncertain. But then you have these additional forces acting in the background that would be pulling ratios around the place. So it basically means there isn't there isn't any way of looking at the stats at the moment and going, I think I know where we are. Yeah. Um, are okay. all a bit confused. So that's the negative side. The positive side, however, is that... Although we obviously have the health system is obviously in crisis and obviously fairly miserable for anybody working in it, um, We haven't Had the sort of rapid growth of ICU cases that we've seen in previous ways. That's what actually led to lockdowns um, And if it is the case that hospital cases are topping out It might be only three or four days of that parent effect showing we've had two false dips already since the start of October So I don't overstate that it it might mean we end up either not needing a lockdown or it, it, it won't amount to a whole much. We'll kind of get to that in the next few days. Difficulty with that is the length of stay in ICU, uh, of course, um, which if people are in there for a long time. So that accumulates as well. So the, that's the other force. So that's that's where we are, basically. We're kind okay, of so
1: my my reading is we're at capacity everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and we have... Like the takeaway is, we we might have hit a plateau, but we can't really be certain about that. Yeah. I mean that's definitely been talked about. I mean there's yeah. talk about, uh, on the on regime radio they would all say like that's the talk. Yeah, the well moment. the raw is case like...
0: numbers make it look yeah. like we have, but as I said, the thing is that that could be camouflaging natural increase in the background. That's that's the problem. We wouldn't necessarily know. And and one circumstance, for instance, that increase could be happening is if the rate of uh, colds and RSV type viral infections and all those were increasing at a similar rate to COVID uh, so everybody with those symptoms is trying to get tested uh, and the same percentage is going to be coming back COVID every time because th- it's in proportion to the, to those other things as well so that's like that's just one theoretical possibility in terms of why you might get a, a flat case right and a flat positivity because it's a it's a weird combination we haven't really seen before um, you know no, normally one or the other is moving
1: uh yeah so anyway to put a hole in that narrative it might not be the case anyway and given that everything is at capacity it's very hard to work reliably on any of those figures that are coming through yeah, there's yeah, too many yeah. factors going yeah. on so um i okay so the, the the lockdown scenario right we were we're back to everybody working from home if they can work from home there definitely seems to be a decrease in the numbers of people actually out and about it feels mm. pretty quiet out there and um, there's probably two factors at stake there there's the people which people have been constantly anticipating or listening paying much more weight to whatever an would say than whatever our great leaders say. Um so that might be one aspect of it. But is there actual serious talk of a lockdown or because I've I've heard that it's been kinda yeah poo pooed by like almost all the um the politicians. It's not getting support from any of them. Yeah,
0: so well a couple of interesting things like that uh, around that. One is the latest to opinion poll. Uh, had had almost two thirds of people wanting additional restrictions. So that's that happens before every lockdown. Basically, public opinion flips over because right. people get worried about um, case numbers and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, so so that that's one indication that I think is probably relevant because that then changes the way politicians. Because that's feel what about.
1: politicians always feel. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. always a finger in the wind. Um,
0: Neffert, I think today or last night. Uh, we're saying that they don't think they need they're not going to issue advice for additional restrictions this week Right uh, So in other words, I think they're probably looking at exactly the same stats. I'm looking at and going, ooh, "Ooh,
1: we can't really say
4: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: What what does that actually mean? Um, and I think in, in the background is Not a plan but an acceptance that uh of people getting infected because that builds population immunity and reduces the size of potential future pressure on hospitalization so uh, you know like I, I think the the fact that there's probably a sense that we they've maxed out dose one dose two vaccination the booster program is now rolling out It'll probably gets most people over 50 by kind of mid January or so I would guess um, and then you have that you know five six percent of adults who don't want to be vaccinated and probably won't want to be at this stage Uh, and i think if you look at the proportion of if you look at the number of vaccinated sorry unvaccinated people who've gone into the icu in the last since june which is about 380 people or so uh, and you consider that when you calculate the icu demand from the unvaccinated adults that comes out would would come out at about a thousand people which would suggest that maybe about a third of unvaccinated adults have now being infected i mean that's a ballpark figure right it's a fairly crude calculation but it would suggest it's say between quarter and a half or something like that um and that leaves about five to six hundred potential unvaccinated icu cases which you know if you could if you could spread that out evenly into 50 a month would probably be manageable maybe even 100 a month but of course the problem with covid is it doesn't come in little packets it comes in waves so there, there is there, there's still re, yeah there's the main potential for a lockdown now if enough of those people get infected over the next couple of weeks to, to create a crisis and if that doesn't happen and instead we the cases go down again well then you know february say for instance there's the potential for another wave and again if you have 600 people being put in icu over quite an hour period of time that would create a you know a crisis in itself, but there is at the same time. There's a sense from that maths that actually that might be it Um, You know, uh, and that that's where we need to talk about waning immunity <laughs> but uh, uh You know in in terms of at least the immediate Assumptions about immunity people were working off You know if you then got to a high enough po- level of population immunity that you would then just be dealing with the cost of um endemic covid which is fairly substantial i mean i think i've said before it looks like it's about one one person needing icu per thousand uh in the initial infection even post vaccination uh which is quite high um
1: okay so but so when you say that would look like that would be about it are we talking about a wave in february or are we talking about a wave now as in this wave, no well it was so so
0: there's two so there's a couple of possibilities. right One is, if you remember the uh, net, recent net scenarios where they were talking about 400 people needing to go into ICU at the peak of this current wave right, right okay. as the pessimistic scenario, and I think yeah. the optimistic was around 200 right um, So in that pessimistic one, what well, that is essentially based off is that all those unvaccinated people get infected, uh, almost all of them. So most of that I pent up ICU demand, which as I said, I think is probably about 600 people left or whatever, uh, all comes through at the same time. And then you get about the same number again of people who've been vaccinated, but there's vaccine breakthrough infections. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what the, the pessimistic scenario kind of looks like, right? And then the optimistic scenario is assuming that actually more of them have already been exposed to COVID and therefore have some level of immunity. So both those, like the reason both those scenarios peaked in late, around now actually, or or a little bit further into December in the next two weeks, was that assumption that okay, that's pretty much everybody at this stage has either been uh, vaccinated or will have had COVID once and then that will therefore reduce the size of future peaks and, and cause a trough in this one.
1: Yeah. Um. But since we haven't hit 200 in ICUs yet, does that mean we're still on the way? To no, as I said, by
0: my my calculation is there's still 600 people yeah. the, right. and, on the unvaccinated who are likely to need ICU. Yeah. You know, four, call it 400 to 800, you know, like it, it's somewhere in that region. Uh.
1: Okay, but I'm, what I'm trying to do, is, what I'm trying to get a picture of now is like we're at 132 in ICU at the moment, yeah. right? And that's so are we on trajectory to hit 200 or are they expecting that 200 is where um, what we can deal with so
0: again no, no no you see this is the thing that as i said need, it's, it's it's 200 people who need it that doesn't mean they can get into it right, right? Okay. and so like in the pessimistic it's 400 people who need it but we only have 300 icu beds so by yeah. definition you can't have 400 that in, is in, pretty in pessimistic
1: space, all right. right yeah that's uh, 100 people outside the system yeah
0: exactly exactly um uh so i'll be mean, to be honest 132 today is causing a major pressure on other healthcare. i think the hospitals are about to go into surge capacity which means that they basically shut down doing other operations and they use the operating theaters as icus The last hsc press conference they sort of said that they've they've um they've put they've given a circular to the hospital saying they can do that when they need to, and that each individual hospital will then be making its own decisions on it. But actually, because of the way people are transferred between hospitals, that you know, in effect, they will they go over like dominoes once once the first couple go. Um,
1: but also, if you have seven hospitals that currently have no capacity, yeah, I mean, well, it was more that, was, that was, like was seven
0: seven of no acute beds. I, the day acute be, beds, okay. the day before well, yesterday, seventeen out of the twenty six acute hospitals had no
1: ICU beds. So. yeah so like i mean that feels very much like capacity is yeah. already being well it, but we, we also heard about um wasn't there a transplant operation that got that was a liver
0: transplant cancelled in, in one of the hospitals recently yeah. as well yeah so because there was no icu bed available so
1: exactly so that feels like they've definitely hit capacity in that and that which kind of brings us back to the point about what would uh What additional measures? So people want additional measures. The government, as usual, are reluctant to give additional measures. Um, The NEFID are saying, let's wait a week Mm -hmm. when we could actually ask for additional measures. But then, and there's talk of this lockdown being like what we used to call or what they call the circuit breaker, right? So would that have like an impact in terms of uh like i mean when they say a lockdown like i'm I just trying to work out what kind of lockdown this would look like <laughs> would it be a lockdown where we're supposed to work from home or whatever but the pubs are still open and we can still go to a football match i mean I i'm trying to work out what kind of lockdown are we talking about and what is the capacity of that to alleviate some of the stress in terms of the capacities that the system is hitting now
0: um so yeah so the tricky thing with this so the big danger is that people who're going into in need of icu today will probably have been infected about the start of this month right somewhere around there the first or second of november right, right. Uh, which means that if today you did something to try and protect ICU, you have some sort of lockdown, whatever you want to call that. Right. Now we'll get people there, would yeah. still be going into ICU until, what's that, about the 14th of December or so. Yeah. Um, and in fact, because it takes people longer to come out, that it would continue to climb for longer than that, right? So from that point of view, it's obvious we're already in a very precarious position uh, and what they're betting on is that the rate of new admissions to ICU will remain relatively low compared to deaths and discharges, right? Which has kind of been what's happening over the last while. Right. So that maybe you've 12 people going in, you've six people coming out, and you've four people dying, so it only goes up two. That basically is what happens between yesterday and today, for instance, right? Um, so, so that that that's one end of the matter. So that's an important thing because that's very different from the previous waves and the lockdowns they generated. Because what was happening in the previous waves is that the demand for ICU was doubling every, you know, three to six days or whatever, depending on which way you're talking about it. Right? Yeah. At the moment, we're probably talking about a doubling that's four weeks long or something like that. So it's, it is it's pretty much because if beast. we look at
1: like we did a show like two. I think it was 113 and we were looking at ICU demand around 63 and we're now at 132. So that's like, that's definitely almost a month away. And so that's a doubling. So we're at 132. So it makes sense that it's taken that length of time. But what you're saying effectively is whatever they bring in now, probably we wouldn't feel the effects of it until after Christmas yeah
0: well in terms of
1: like a health from a health perspective or ICU perspective
0: I'm trying to yeah it's like so when you're talking about whether or not there needs to be lockdown (laughs) when will happen and all that it's important to think well when will the actual crisis happens because you can't wait for the crisis to arrive and do it because that you've got three weeks of growth built in yeah. so you're kind of making a bet on how what the speed of that growth is and everything else right and that's why it matters that it's quite hard to actually know what the hell's going on because everything's at capacity yeah uh, because you're trying to make decisions on information that is extremely muddy um, so that's one side of it. I think the other side of it is definitely government policy and even efforts seem to as well are going with okay, let's keep things open and try and try and keep case growth and hospital growth low enough that the the that that you know a three week lag basically between action and effect won't won't amount to all that many extra cases uh you know that you know it might be a doubling or not even a doubling you know might be a sixty percent increase or whatever um because that way, at least the people who won't get vaccinated if it's <laughs> pretty brutal if you put the logic this way. That way, at least a big chunk of the people who won't get vaccinated are getting infected and mostly surviving and therefore have some immunity. That will make the next wave easier to handle because, you know, the bet is that as with in vaccination, that if you're infected and you recover it, you're less likely to need to go to hospital or whatever on a second infection. That's okay. a little bit uncertain, uh, but of course you I mean you, you do know that it, you know if, if one to uh, one to two percent of those infected die Well, obviously that's one to two percent of the most vulnerable removed from the equation second right now So it's kind of brutal <laughs> Logic to to what you're actually pushing through with this and then over time it becomes manageable and I think it probably is true if 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 say that it turns out we're at the peak of this wave and if it diminishes, right? Um, and if we avoid a new wave until, say, March, when the weather starts to come around to being on our side again, then probably you're talking about a very long period going way into next autumn without any significant restrictions being needed, presuming no immune variants or whatever turn yeah, around. Okay, well, yeah, okay, uh, Yeah, from. and then we've a problem to deal with next winter because immunity has waned and you know, all, all those other things. But, okay, uh,
1: so, but now this is interesting because it feels like we're now trying to deal with or trying to implement a public health policy on the basis of an ever smaller number of people that are for one reason or another not vaccinated and not likely to get vaccinated. Is that right? I mean, we're, we're really now trying to deal with, it feels pretty selfish that we've got this 6% of the population yeah. that have us living through this nightmare because of their refusal to... I mean, I know it starts sounding like a shock job. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. But, like, it's it's all being uh, he, determined by this group. I mean, yeah. also, the other factor, obviously, is the 5 to 12-year-olds who are all yeah. just happily running around in the playgrounds and infecting the living <laughs> daylights out of each other, but also infecting the teachers, and then hmm. the teachers are also... I mean rightly not happy about that and then that there is those breakthrough infections that will get eventually because we're coming into Christmas we'll get to the more vulnerable population but leaving that aside let's take the kids out of it we are really trying to we have a whole perspective now which is all about dealing with the six percent.
0: Yeah and so that calculation I was talking about how many unvaccinated eligible people have probably not been infected so far right yeah my ballpark estimate of that is it's about 200,000 people right right? and actually don't forget that that's everybody over the age of 12 so the adult end of that is is going to be smaller again you know might be 120,000 something something. so it's actually not a very big pool pool of people at all at this stage anymore Uh, but yeah, the problem is if half of ICU beds are taken up by people. Or sixty-six percent,
1: wasn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Two thirds. I mean, I'm
0: expecting that to go down towards, you know, probably towards half, maybe even a bit under half, as as we go through. But yes, that's the problem. Like that—that's the like. If you could, if, you, if all those people were vaccinated, then ninety-five percent of those wouldn't need I, ICU, and the potential ICU demand would drop from 60, 600 to thirty. Yeah. right which yeah. as i said i think we've got even with everybody vaccinated which there'd be challenges to this but uh yeah there's a there's a very disproportionate impact from a relatively small group of people at this stage
1: okay um and sorry and what's the what the like so therefore we're, this talk about a circuit break or whatever that's unlikely to happen then is it or because we wouldn't really see the benefits of that until well post christmas so we? I,
0: the, the, I i i I mean, I think an awful lot of this is just people speculating and, yeah. and rumour mills and totally. there's lots of stuff going on with it. And so I suspect one of, the pe- one of the reasons people are talking about a circuit breaker is there'd be a certain logic, right? You basically, you get to the start of December or the first week of December and you have, say, a, a two to three week lockdown until, the say, the 20th of December, right? Mm. And you hope by doing that that you're getting your cases down from... I don't know, 4,000 a day to about maybe 1,200 a day would be possible, right? So, something in that region, 1,400 okay. 1, a day, which means you then go into Christmas and everybody meeting up with a much smaller uh, base of actively infectious people, so you've less... We're
1: driving down the incidents, that's what we're Yeah, so right. you've
0: less Christmas dinners that end up with disaster, basically. <sighs> yeah. okay. So I, I suspect right. that's why okay. people are talking about that, because th- there's a sort of l- yeah. logic to it. But I th- I think the... It, I, I would say it's also very possible from the public health perspective that they go that actually wouldn't be a great idea because that would still be a, a huge amount of cases but we went into christmas last year with 300 so going in with 1200 would be, would be four times that and if people could just come co- go into christmas then with a false sense of security and take risks that they shouldn't be taking yeah, because if,
1: when you were saying this thing about maybe a three-week lockdown Mm-hmm. And then we emerge from the lockdown on the 20th. Can you imagine what the 20th is going to well, look like? Well,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, oh, my God. You know, you basically we're what you want to do th- is emerge
0: less than yeah. one infection cycle before Christmas Day. Yeah. So 22nd is probably a better date. <laughs> yeah, but either way, because <laughs> yeah.
1: everyone goes on the tear. Like, I mean, that's what I'd be worried yeah. about. Yeah. But you can, yeah, so you can see oh that you sort
0: of see why theoretically people are looking at this and going, oh, maybe this is the plan. But I actually, yeah, I don't think so, because I think that would still be an awful lot of cases. It mightn't work very well. There mightn't be very good. You know, people mightn't follow it very well. Uh, And and you could have a bit of a false sense of security, where there may be the idea that if we can stop, if we are plateauing with cases or slowing down, and we go into the Christmas period with a still very consistently high period of cases, therefore people will be quite uh, careful around Christmas this year um And etc. Okay. Uh, etc. Et I mean, it's it, like many other areas. It's It's very hard no. to see what the hell the right answer to something like that would be yeah, because there isn't yeah, one.
1: Yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, I definitely don't think that that, that we are he- automatically heading into a lockdown. It very much depends on what the stats are over the next week, basically.
1: And the difficulty then, as well, is if we've hit capacity everywhere, how reliable are the stats? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly, the error. Exactly. So. um Okay, so talk to me about incidence level, because we must be, like, I mean, where are we in? in oh, it's something of ridiculous, it's like, like
0: 1,400, I think.
1: Because, uh, like, I'm looking at other, reading other, about other countries, and it's like, you know, there's kind of all kinds of emergency measures coming into place in Germany, and, yeah. like, it's at 100 or 104, and I'm kind of going, ah, that's <laughs> nothing. Like, what are you talking about? And, um, yeah, so uh
0: 1269 as of yesterday that's what it was so 1269 yeah so okay so what it was it, it, well, so about 10th in europe i think in terms of incidence level in fact but mostly because several eastern european countries are getting hit much harder um but yes you're right like countries like germany who actually got lower incidence than us but are taking action austria same sort of thing right yeah uh, the reason for that, though, is they have a much smaller fraction of their population vaccinated. They have a much right. bigger problem with vaccine hesitancy, which means the for for the same level of cases, they need they have a much bigger ICU demand. Okay. Right, than we do. Uh, so the you know the the va- vaccination is basically why we didn't go into lockdown two to three months ago yeah. because that would would have been what we would have had to do. Um, Instead, we've had this, and it feels completely weird, long situation of, I mean, you know, if we go back to, what, July of 2020, and we were having six cases a day, eight cases a day, that sort of thing, yeah, and we were sort of going into August and being a bit worried because that was got had gone up to 100.
1: I know. That's know. why this feels yeah. very strange. Yeah, yeah. Right, and now we're kind of going,
0: oh yeah, it's four thousand today, five thousand nine hundred yesterday, three thousand eight hundred the day before you know and, and people are both alarmed but also somewhat casual about it and the only reason that's happening is because so many people are vaccinated you know so it's reduced the cost in other words
1: yeah um, but in terms of the booster rollout then I mean is there a, like we were saying you were saying last week when we you were on it was that there's a possibility that the booster would be the final like it would be a kind of like the silver bullet or the final yeah. final shot that you'd need uh, in order to
0: yeah so well are the, the, the two categories of people right there is i think there's some realistic hope that basically this will turn out to be a three dose vaccine yeah uh, or alternatively a, a vaccine with two doses but six months apart basically um in that the the sort of early data from israel which obviously put it boosters out faster is that le- uh, waning is much slower against s- severe outcomes, right? Okay. Th- there's got to be the infection problem. We're not going to get over that, like this oh, is the, and this is why there will there will be a significant cost. But if you can cut the severe outcome cost yeah. from ninety five percent to ninety seven percent, then you're cutting a thousand deaths to five hundred sort yeah. of thing. So that has a big a- outcome. And it's kind of like that. It looks like that might be the case. We don't know yet because none of time has passed, right? So I mean, that's what the idea of a three dose vaccine thing would be. However, there's another population of people who uh, just can't mount a Im- Im- good immune response because they're immunocompromised, they're elderly, yeah. whatever else. So that population might well end up needing to be giving, given a, an additional dose every six months or so like that. Okay. I would not be overly surprised if, if that turns out to be the case. Um, they're the, they're the scenarios and it could turn out that actually maybe everybody over 50 needs to get that uh you know i mean we'll get like we'd we expect the the severe outcome by age data to be very different um and possibly you know sort of 60 65 is when your immune system starts to get a lot weaker so that's the most likely cutoff point but we'll, we'll see we won't there's no real way of knowing this in other words until time has passed and we'll all still be working died, so, anyway yeah
1: work until we're in our graves uh great because you can't retire until we're 68 isn't it? um You're dealing with the pensions time bomb <laughs> well this might be a way well, i mean there are people exactly. who are saying this is a way to deal with the pensions time bomb yeah, yeah. somebody came up with it getting
0: covid every year now from, from 50 to 70 would probably cut down life expectancy <laughs> if bit. <ever>, so <laughs>
1: We should not laugh. Yeah, we uh, should uh, not that's laugh. That's us. That's us. We're in. We're We're there. Um, okay. So again, like it seems like the update is is that we think we might have hit a peak, but we don't know if we're going to hit a peak, and we're probably not likely to know that until we get some of this. Now, the capacity. thing is, you never know
0: you've hit a peak until afterwards. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Like that's the thing.
1: But so. This is well this is a good question because well th- I feel like it is because we um basically we can only predict this there's no way you can predict this uh without actually going through it so basically we'll only know the peak afterwards yeah. but how do you know it's going in the right direction if you have capacity across all the testing systems it's like so we have like there's reports of something like 10 counties that have no oh it's, PCR it's all of them essentially it's all of right. them at the moment yeah so I think so i
0: was just looking at people saying they they couldn't book tests for the day, the day after tomorrow at the moment right yeah um, and we've
1: heard of other people who who got the last pcr test in dublin yeah yeah you yeah. know two days ago or three days ago or whatever so um, yeah I mean we've, so one, I we've one friend who's
0: tested positive on multiple antigen tests but doesn't have a car so it hasn't been able to I presume there's is the issue can't get to any of the test incentives where there yeah. is availability so like yeah right, that there's, there's going to be a fairly sizable contingent of people not getting PCR tested in, in this current context
1: so even but like so we've hit that hmm. and the incidence that we think is out there is what 1,012 yeah. 1,000 it's astronomical but the actual real-life incidence is probably far greater than that. And at what point will we get to a situation where we'll know... Like, when capacity... When we get back to, to having enough kits to, to test everybody yeah. and everything else, then the surge will most... More than likely, it'll have passed.
0: So so the, the thing that will tell us it's passing yeah. is, that's, that, that's is the asking, test positivity yeah. will fall, right? Right. Uh, it's plateaued along with the... The, the swab numbers at about 14%, 14 to 16%, moving around a bit, those day-to-day movement. Uh, so if that falls back to, say, 9%, even if we're still getting about 4,000 positives a day, you'd be, you'd be going, OK, that that probably indicates okay. that we have now passed.
1: So even if we're not testing everybody that needs to be tested, at least yeah. the positivity will give us some indication that yeah. might have passed. I
0: mean, there is there is an outside possibility that actually what that could also happen if other symptom causing things were growing much faster than COVID Uh, and then the proportion of COVID in detected in in symptomatic people would be decreasing even if it was increasing in the population but leaving that aside that's that's the uh, I see
1: what you mean okay yeah so you get something you think it's COVID you test it uh, and whatever the antigen test says you go down you get a PCR test and then it turns out it's not detected but yeah but like, there could still be lots of people out there asymptomatic you know, yeah. and then also have it.
0: Well, so, so if you think, so if you imagine that today there are 10,000 people with RSV and there are 5,000 people with COVID, right? Yeah. And so they all go and get, they, they all have similar symptoms. They get tested. So a third of your results are COVID and two thirds are RSV, right? Yeah. But you only have 30,000 tests. So you, you get back 10,000 COVID and 20,000 RSV, right? Yeah. Okay, and then, this day next week, RSV has increased from ten thousand, from twenty thousand cases to fifty thousand cases, and COVID has increased from uh, ten thousand to fourteen thousand. Right. Yeah. But because it's now fifty thousand RSV to fourteen thousand refle- COVID,
1: it's not going to be reflected.
0: COVID will change. have appeared to have shrunk, yeah, even yeah. though it's actually biggest. So that, just theoretically, that's that's one way you could even with positivity, you, you could be caught out in it.
1: Okay.
0: Um, right. You know, I'm not saying that is what's happening. It's just that that that's the problem when you've you just have a lot of uncertainty around it.
1: So, what, at what point in time in the future do you think we'll have a clearer idea? I mean. Well where the, hospi- do you think, so the do hospital so the hospital numbers really are key. Capacity right. back in terms of- yeah.
0: I I think the hospital numbers are the ones to watch because okay, that went up to six hundred and eighty over the weekend. Weekend is always a high point anyway. Monday Monday morning figure tends to be the highest. It's now back around I think six ten. Uh so if that fall, falls and goes back to say five fifty five hundred, then mm. you can be pretty sure that either cases have also fallen or that actually cases aren't at that as important as an indicator as they were previously kind of either those answers are just fine like if it's actually the case that due to boosters or whatever other reason cases you know that cases don't hospitalize people as often as they have up to now then we need, Then we don't need to worry about cases as much as we did previously. You know, yeah, like, yeah, if, if course, that if that weakens, because you're dealing
1: with severe outcomes. Yeah, 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 yeah You
0: know, like yeah. the ideal, like if you, you know, accepting COVID becoming endemic, the whole thing. Your ideal outcome with that is that everybody gets COVID, but it doesn't matter. It's just a common cold, right? Yeah, and yeah. We've talked about this in previous shows. The problem is at the moment it looks like the cost of that is still very substantial, at least to a couple of of first time infected, second time infected type. I think so that's the problem with that plan but you know yeah. if it was the case that you know vaccination turned covid into a common cold well then yeah we wouldn't bother counting cases anymore because we don't count common cold cases
1: sure okay and then one other thing that struck me was i thought we had a kind of icu capacity at something like 300 beds or something But yes we're, yeah yeah but we have 680 people now
0: no 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 that, that's the hospital figure there was six, 680 in hospital, not in ICU. Oh, right. o- of that, hospital. 132
1: in ICU. Oh, right. Okay, 680 with COVID. That's yes. the 680. Okay, right. Sorry. Okay. So 200 is still the case in terms of...
0: Uh, mean, no, there is. The, the it, 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 ICU capacity it has the been expanded capacity, is it? to, I think, 296 units. Okay. And rough. then they can do a surge capacity... Because because surge capacity basically involves shutting down other care, so yeah. both because you need say the operating pieces of physical space, but also because you need the staff yeah. to redeploy to ICU. Uh, so obviously we, the you're not going to do that until you have to, right? Okay. Uh, because when, it's not an ideal yeah, situation. When they right? had to do it last January, I think it maxed out at three hundred and twenty-four. Okay. I think I think they said they could go to three thirty, was what they reckoned. Right. So you know that that's your kind of absolute last desperate measure okay. basically is is that's what you would do
1: okay so let's play just suppose And
0: of that 220 or 230 were covered because you're going to have a hundred other people with heart attacks, yes. strokes whatever yeah, else yeah. you know so
1: yeah and also if everything is going as normal you're yeah. going to have more of that yeah um so let's play the just, just supposing game so just supposing it was uh we are going through the peak now that this is the peak mm. um and there's a plateauing effect. When could we expect to start seeing indicators come back online? Like as in uh testing capacity and everything else, like when will we when will things drop to a level? Or when will it be a week? Will it be two weeks? How much
0: So let me put it this way, like yeah. so the last two two or three days we 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 have what might be a hospital peak, yeah. might not. It's only three days, so we could just dip and go back up That's, again. That's right? yeah, um, not long enough time. Right? But if you imagine, if, if so, if that actually reflects reality, right? Yeah. Then that is infections two weeks ago, right? Uh, so it means two weeks ago fewer people started to get infected, and now so fewer people need to go to the hospital. You know that. Okay. That would be it, uh, and so that would mean that about three or four days ago. You would have expected cases to have been peaking, right? Right. Now the thing is, if, as we suspect, that actually our ability to measure cases meant they were higher than they previously been, so they went above that capacity line, yeah, Yeah. and then maybe they're coming back down towards it at the moment, right? So, what we might expect if that current hospitalisation peak is actually a peak, it's actually real, is towards the weekend we might see positivity starting to fall from 14% to 13% to 12% to, you know I'd say say if it gets down to say 10% I'd then be confident that's something real has actually happened there right I mean right. we're just yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and also hospitalization would need to continue to fall in the meantime we'll go up slightly at the weekend but uh, that we'd expect to see that and then also, at the weekend, we would expect to see the number of new people going into ICU also starting to fall. Now, because that's a small number, it's very noisy anyway. Right. Uh, but so, so you you'd you basically expect to see more or less that sort of sequence. Um, and okay. by next Wednesday, we might be seeing a fall from that four thousand four hundred cases a day to four thousand two hundred, four thousand one hundred, whatever. That idea of a downward trend, right? Yeah. So if all that has happened two weeks ago right which is is not unreasonable because we know people's behaviors changed two weeks ago right uh whether or not it's enough is is another question uh then that we'd see that now we'll also have the work from home stuff which started just at the end of the last weekend that
1: was kind of last week last Thursday. all that really sort of patient. thing that that yeah. may
0: also have an added impact in there
1: i think people preempted that though i think people yeah started I,
0: I, that's my impression different. too like if people once they sort of said that was going to happen i think people who were in a position to do it did yeah. it. um you know, so so so, so, although, so we might. In other words, this time next week we might have a much more definite picture okay. than we do now.
1: It feels like every week we come on, we like kind of go, oh yeah, things are bad, but we're not really sure. It's been very hard to predict what the trajectory is. Yeah, um, and that seems to be a continuing. Well, it, it looked pretty terrible
0: three to four weeks ago, yeah. And we are definitely no longer on that trajectory. Yeah, like that's the one thing, absolutely a hundred percent sure, certain we we're not on the trajectory where uh, basically around the end of October, the start of November, when it was really very alarming. Right. Um yeah. what we don't know at the moment is if we're still going up slightly, which means we're going to get in trouble. Whether we've got a plateau, which will help, but will still get us in trouble, or we're actually we've peaked. And maybe we won't get in trouble, but it's a bit, even that is a bit dicey just cause of the slow release of people from ICU yeah, yeah. in comparison to people. Like, I don't think there's a scenario in which most other healthcare that needs ICU stays operational over the Christmas period. I yeah. think that's gone. Like that, that, that will be going over the next week to 10 days. Um, you know, that, that, and I mean, that actually used to happen in the old days with flu generally in jan- January, Or but you'd lose some capacity. You wouldn't lose yeah, all of it. So right. Uh, But yeah, I I think that realistically, I don't think any of the three scenarios of what
1: might be happening
0: get us out of that problem. That that's built in. We've got too many cases, Um, uh, uh, you know, in in the system as it is.
1: So I'm trying to because everything just blends from one week into the next. So I'm trying to remember two weeks back. What was that? Well, where were we in terms of (laughs) we? I remember we had the whole. The nightclubs opening up was there. When was that? Wasn't that <laughs> they in? were open
0: for a week, were they? <laughs> yeah. No, it was... Like uh, no, it that was, was, that like was in October. October. Was yeah. that the middle of October or something? So yeah. that was
1: middle of October. Like, oh, was
0: that actually... No, I think but that was before,
1: Was it start of October? No,
0: yeah, it was before the Halloween weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Like,
1: I, I think, think so. it
0: was so that they could take advantage of that. So that's that's now quite a long time ago, but they went open for very long.
1: Yeah, but then we, we were at that idea that, like, from day one when that happened we thought this is a bad idea and then two weeks later we we're kind of going it was definitely a bad yeah, idea yeah, yeah and then it was like i think it was another week after that we we're kind of going oh like they, they've totally lost the run of themselves mm. what are they going to do like so people were talking about what are they going to do from about four weeks ago and then it took them another two weeks to actually say you should work from home yeah, well, so I, I, was going, yeah. I went back to so my... again like it, it must be yeah
0: I went back to my Twitter feed, and actually, it became obvious to me we were in trouble on October the 7th and the 8th, and definitely by the 11th, right? Because, and that's before the nightclubs opened, by the way. Uh, right. You know, at that rate... Oh, could, yeah,
1: even then, we thought it was a bad idea. Yeah,
0: you could, you could see cases were starting to take off in a way that would get us into trouble in a month or two, depending on what rate that actually was. Right. And I did that... I can't remember. I did that. That was on Pol- <laughs> oh, Cork Local Radio, 98 FM, whatever it was called down there. Yeah. I think I said that on that as well. But we're obviously getting into trouble, but it would be two to three weeks at least before any decisions would have to be made because of pressures, right? I think I thought they would actually shut stuff down earlier, like at a lower ICU number. Uh, but that's basically wh- where we've been going. So that's. that's uh,
1: yeah, okay. you know,
0: they basically like the strategy does seem to have been to kind of play chicken with COVID and with the general population. Like, there's a certain part of the strategy is just about scaring the population into behaving. You know, so we're not going to talk down about personal you. responsibility. Yeah, a lot of that, like, that's responsibility we're going to keep things open.
1: Yeah, and then it's up to you to look after yourself. Yeah, even yeah. though there's yeah. no repercussions, there's no real checking, there's no like we were, we're ta- having those conversations about ventilation and yeah. air purifiers and everything else but none of that no, yeah it's yeah, just like yeah, yeah. it's on you
0: yeah like this this, this wave around i ended up cancelling stuff i was going to be going to you know yeah. because i was just like okay that's it's now become too dodgy you know it wasn't that it got shut down and i couldn't go. but
1: yeah but like you see this is also kind of part of i think that that's also reflected in that poll where people are kind of going like i think you know where you were saying that people wanted additional measures right a substantial proportion of that is the Morag poll said they wanted additional restrictions. I think that's kind of reaction to just make a decision. Just don't make it like I have to make a decision yeah. every time I step outside the door. I have to decide, is this worth the risk? And then people have all that responsibility on their shoulders of like taking all that risk and then possibly infecting, getting infected and then passing it on to somebody else. I can see why people are just totally... Like, they're kind of going, just tell me what it is that, like, yeah, that well, we should I should do, you know, so it's uh, a... And,
0: and I think what you get, you know, as people start to cancel plans and stuff, yeah. right, and think it's too dangerous, they then get a resentful of other people who continue to do stuff.
1: Well, that's true, um, yeah.
0: So, it's it, one of the, the other problems with the kind of personal behaviour narrative is that it's inevitably much more divisive than saying we're all going to do something together, and the same rules are going to apply to all of us, you know. Uh, so in fact, I mean, like there was a, a funny thing on where, whatever that football match a couple of weeks ago, uh, was it on against Portugal? Yes, there sports was.
1: Sports yeah. ball, like yeah, there yeah, yeah, no, right? was like there was there was like, but there was one weekend where there was like I think two games in a row with like fifty thousand. Anyway, I mean, yes, yeah, so, yeah,
0: whatever. The, the, Down in Lansdowne yeah, Road. the yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, there was the usual thing of being like the the, the VIP box and people oh, being at yeah. it. Was, there was a photograph of Paul Reid who had been on. At the HSE press conference the day before, oh, pleading right. with people to cut their social contacts, all the rest. Right, okay, right. Being someone that was obviously indoors yeah. you know, in a hall with loads of other people, yeah. uh chatting to people, nobody's wearing masks except the people serving sandwiches or yeah, alcohol or whatever else. Yeah, 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 because yeah. everybody's like, What the yeah, yeah. you know. And of course, yeah, I mean so like it, it's very different from Golf Gate where what they were actually doing was definitely not allowed, even though do they rewrite the rules after for that one? No, they didn't. broke the rules. They decided they had so. broken the rules for yeah, that yeah, one. It, yeah, it was yeah. the, it was Leo's one that they broke the rules But yeah. it did it, you know, it, like those so that Zap, other thing. Everybody in the see. VIP boxes, they were yeah. doing what they were allowed to do, but it was kind of the opposite of what they'd been telling us we should do a couple of days beforehand. So that kind of obviously pisses off a lot of people.
1: Yeah, you see, like we, but also it's the transition from we're all in a, this together to now uh, we're well, you know. Everything's open, so make up your own mind. Yeah, and we're, actually, it doesn't feel like we're in it together. Another it aspect
0: we should touch on uh, on that is the, the controversy of the last few days, yet again, over antigen testing, right? Right. Okay. Uh, and and specifically over the so when your testing system is that capacity, but more to the point, if your if your plan is to allow people, things to be open and people to go to things, yeah, then that automatically means the demand for testing is going to greatly increase, right? And if you're not going to do Denmark, Denmark is about five times our PCR testing capacity, Uh, then you have to look at other routes for testing. So antigen testing is one obvious one, right? Um, But of course, the, the kind of like the nervous, I'm legitimately nervous about it, in terms of if people use that as as a green light to say I can do stuff that they'll have a cold and take an antigen test and it'll be negative so they'll decide they can't do it, but then the accuracy of the test isn't really enough to make that safe because they're gonna be wrong some of the time, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, like if your setup is going to be that all this stuff's gonna be open, people can do it, but we still need to keep a lid on cases somehow, then an obvious way of doing that is that people would test themselves and particularly test themselves I think after events I think people don't get this it's not like I definitely think the idea that antigen tests can make a nightclub safe is ludicrous that's that's just completely rubbish you know there won't be people won't be not everybody will test themselves some people will cheat in the test because they want to go blah 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 that that that's going to happen it can't make that safe what it can probably do though is in the week afterwards or the two weeks afterwards when the people who've been at the nightclub are Maybe going to work or visiting elderly relatives or whatever else they can test themselves in in that context, most easy to understand the context of visiting relatives because there does no penalty involved if you test positive to going okay well i'm going to cancel this yeah. works a bit more complicated <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh you know so that that that's where deployment would make sense but the problem is
1: um so it's basically after you've taken the risk yeah you come back and then you say oh actually that didn't work out yeah. and then you adjust your behavior appropriately yeah well yeah. exactly right
0: so so here's the problem they're not as i said they're not wonderfully accurate in the hands of consumers um yeah. uh and also you test positive for a ve- relatively brief window with them now some people think that brief window coincides with the period when you're infectious and other people go by people who I'm talking about experts I go eh, the evidence for that isn't it's definitely not conclusive um so that that's one issue but what that basically means is so you take the risk and then what you want to do afterwards is not just take one test but take a number of tests over a few days right mm. so um so I was afraid you kind of flew someone for the weekend and came back and I was talking about it and the the problem is to be effective to fly someone on a Friday you come back on the Monday say so what you really want to do is take your first test 3 to 4 days after that first flight so basically you return on the Monday or Tuesday you do it and then you want the last test to be maybe 10 to 12 days after the last flight on the monday so that's into next week into next wednesday or thursday yeah, right. and then ideally you would test yourself every second day at least in between right you know uh so that is that's about you need that's about five or six tests you need right
1: To about 35 40 euros well yeah so, exactly yeah.
0: so that, that's the problem at the moment that that's prohibitively expensive right yeah. um so lots of people aren't going to be able to do that. And lots of other people just will be like, well, I, could, I can't do, if I do that, that means I can't go out at the weekend or whatever. So there'll be all those sort of things. That makes that much less likely. Um So there's the idea that, okay, so we subsidize these tests to make them cheap. So like if they were, if you could get a pack of five tests for a fiver, probably a lot more people would have done it. You know, if probably. you could get 10 tests for a fiver, probably everybody might do that. Yeah. You know? Uh But there's been this big, sort of push back that they don't want to do that on the grounds that'll increase risk. That doesn't really make sense because the risk is already there, right? This is not like it's
1: not, it's this is not, not like last risk. June when yeah. the airlines
0: wanted to prematurely allow people flying on the basis of, of green light testing or something. This yeah. is, hey people are taking the risks, they're allowed to take the risks. And what you want to do is reduce the risk of them infecting other people after that. Yeah. And what what's the most effective way of doing that? And the most effective way is for them to test themselves multiple times. Because right. if the accuracy isn't great on one test, it's much better over three yeah or five tests. You yeah. know, you're much more likely to pick a positive. But there's a big resistance to doing that. So that's one of the that's one of the, the least thought out things Total. I think at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, you know like the main the main thing I think and I might have said this in the last show. the main problem with the current wave is it was foreseeable it was predicted and they made no preparation for it really you know it like it was completely foreseeable we were going to hit test capacity you know um, And that's been foreseeable for weeks, but it seemed to catch them by surprise You know it was so it happens now and suddenly they're scrambling around and trying to get some extra testing and stuff and you go but lads any, it was going up, it was going ago. up,
1: it was going up. I mean, how yeah, long does yeah. that have I to go I could have told you that I,
0: the 7th or 8th of October, listen, in, in two months' time, you're going to need more testing capacity. Uh, so there was no preparation for it. So and like with the, so with the antigen testing, they have been caught completely on the hop, even though the need for it was obvious. So they're now trying to work out, are they going to subsidise them? What's the good good instructions to give people? All this sort of stuff. That all should have been done like two months ago. So it was ready to roll out.
1: But also, like... Do you remember we come from a time and it's not that long ago when they actually stepped down all the like at least yeah, they didn't yeah. do that. Which oh, no, like, no,
0: they had actually stepped down stuff. Oh, had they stepped down stuff as Because they're trying to recruit swabbers at the moment as well. And they hadn't done they hadn't done the disastrous big step down. They did yeah, back they, in they, the summer yeah. of twenty twelve. Yeah, I remember it was like it yeah, was yeah.
1: like they just diminished all the capacity yeah, and took, yeah, got all yeah. it, took this structure down. So they did step down as well. Wow. Yeah, there quite... was some,
0: some stuff. Got, and, and same with the vaccination stuff. Some stuff went. Because I saw people saying that they were getting calls desperately trying to rehire them or whatever. But they, what they... they were given out because they were looking for people's leaving services again. This was a big controversy with oh, the God. first time around with the vaccination that they wanted. You know, like, so you had people who were qualified nurses because you had to be, in yeah. order to be vaccinated, was, you know, sort of, I couldn't walk in and become one. Yeah. I had to actually, you know, have a medical qualification yeah. but then to employ people they were saying well we want your leaving cert you know and people were going what the hell do you need my leaving cert for?" a qualified nurse yeah. so yeah, yeah so yeah. now it turns out that the people that they, they let go from the vaccination program that they now want to come back to give the booster shots are being told they have to provide a leaving cert again and they're like oh for fuck's sake oh my god
1: <laughs> that's madness um, yeah I don't know what to say to that I didn't know I didn't realise that they'd actually step down capacity as well when there's an obvious trajectory that it was going in, and a direction yeah. that it's going in. Um, although I have to say, it doesn't also surprise me very much. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't I think, think it was a huge like,
0: step down, but there was definitely those fewer test centres than there were.
1: Like, but there's there's just there's just, just this consistent pattern of bungling along, yeah, basically yeah, yeah. Uh, into, into well, uh, well. I like, presume which,
0: it's it's resource constrained in part, like they, there's there's particular budgets. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, yeah. the, you keep getting people giving out of the HSE, not creating more ICU beds. Yeah. But, I mean, you're not creating ICU beds out of the change you find in the vending machine or something. Yeah, the, the yeah, massive, that's yeah. a massively expensive problem. That has to come from government funding. Yeah. And probably, I, I don't know exactly how HSE funding but I imagine funding gets allocated you know yeah. so and you it can't actually training, take the vending machine money training
1: and over, anyway. training of staff and yeah there's a the time thing as well and like as well. all yeah, the yeah, upskilling yeah. that's required all that stuff so it's not about the beds themselves but it's about the staff and investing yes so uh, and we still seem to be learning lessons in relation to that um, okay so we come back next week and we might have a clearer picture
0: we well, might know where we're going then hopefully it'll be good know. news yeah
1: exactly okay <laughs> thanks for that Andrew